0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at Supex, the startup expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my Building the Future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Mark Hobbs. He's the co-founder at FunMetric. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. It's great to be to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is, is actually re- really innovative and, and pretty cool. But maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Sure. So I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan. Okay. I was born and raised there. Went to uh, Sheldon Williams Collegiate until I was um, well, in, I graduated from there and then came out to Dalhousie
0: University okay. in
1: 2004 to do my undergrad in political science.
0: What made you want to go there, and why political science?
1: Well, I actually started out in the uh, in the commerce program, but I wanted to come out to the Maritimes uh, to the region, because I hadn't, I'd never lived there, never experienced it.
2: Okay, but I had learned
1: when I was, it's, it's beautiful. It's a great place. I think it's one of the, you know, it's got a hidden advantage in that there's all types of talent that I don't think you'd recruit anywhere else in the country, Interesting, uh, but because of the six universities here and because of the um, sort of uh, intense uh, willingness to to make things happen uh, that people have here, um, you can do do some cool stuff. But anyway, we I came out because I wanted to experience the maritimes. I thought it would be, you know, four years of undergrad. Uh, started out in um, in commerce and uh, and did quite a heavily you know commerce centric degree anyway, but but graduated with. Uh, political science because I started doing some work um, along, you know, voter ID and sort of preference and how how people were were working back then. It was new. It wasn't really known. Um, got elected to the student union um, as as a vice president, and Very a cool. friend of mine ended up selling advertising. Okay, and he grew that business, and that blew up. From representing I think one student publication to 17 across
2: wow. southeastern
1: Ontario in the first year, and uh, I watched him do that. And as we, I was finishing up, he offered me a job, and we grew that advertising agency together. Uh, that led us ultimately to start, you know, FunMetric, which is more artificial intelligence and tech, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But sure, you know, we we started in. Um, I started really just to get an undergrad degree. Always sort of was doing my own businesses on the side. Okay. Um,
0: what types of stuff? You know, just I, well, out of curiosity. Like
1: uh, you know, when I was 16, 17, it was building computers, custom computers for people. Right. And And um, I ran a bar out of my dorm room. Uh, okay. It was quite profitable. <laughs> uh, highly illegal. I, highly yeah. illegal, but uh, <laughs> quite quite profitable. I can uh, imagine. Fifteen dollar. $15, all you could drink. Oh, wow. Um, which actually taught me some valuable lessons about uh, priorities and sort of uh, made me a lot more serious about life. Okay. Uh, because, you know, of course, you. you start, I didn't start these things to make money. I started these things because um, it was something to do on, on Friday nights. And, it, you know, initially it was just friends drinking. Yeah, so of course it grew and grew and grew to hundreds of people coming in and out and whatnot. Wow. But, um, it, you know, it eventually got shut down by the authorities and the powers that be <laughs> and, uh, changed the way they write their residence contracts and train their residence assistants. But, um,
0: so you're kind it, of a legend is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't, I
1: wouldn't say that because on the flip side, my academics really suffered.
2: Ah, okay. And,
1: and, uh, And I really had to take a step back and sort of look at it and say, okay, what's important? And the truth is at the time I didn't value uh, academics because I always kind of planned to run my own business and do my own thing. And, you know, why do I need accounting? Uh, I can just hire accountants. And today, as I'm sitting there with the accountants that I have hired, uh, realizing that this is providing me all those insights, you know, the sort of top line of every intro courses. Sure. Uh, you know, that they'll provide. Anyway, so, you know, it's been a real journey, but it is, it is sort of all connected back to starting a uh, first year university at Dalhousie.
0: Sure. Interesting. So how did Fundmetric come to be and why did you co-found it?
1: Yeah. So it, it's interesting. We uh, at the advertising agency, we started out just selling advertising. Okay, And then, you know, the natural evolution of that was to start designing advertising and then sort of designing websites and the whole digital package. Yep. And we were right at the time when social media was coming online. Okay. Um, so this, you know, it was 2008, uh, 2009. Um, and, uh, then the, um, what, what actually ended up happening was we met a gentleman, uh, was advertising with us. And he was uh, given the, the role of executive director of a, what was then a brand new tech accelerator that was just opening up here in Halifax. Okay. But he had broken his tooth on a burger and he okay. had a thick Serbian accent.
0: Okay. And
1: so I couldn't understand a word my friend was saying. We were having coffee. And uh, he was inviting us to an office at Volta, which is this, tech accelerator on here and uh, I just sort of nodded along and two weeks later he called me and said uh, well you got to come select your office um, we're, we're setting up the building I said well what office and he said well you agreed that you're going to come and be part of this tech accelerator I said well we don't do anything with tech and he said you don't do anything right now but just come down and slowly um, as we were you know three or four days in uh, we got you know, visits from a bunch of seasoned entrepreneurs okay. who helped us uh, sort of understand that what we were doing was great, but the the data we were collecting from these advertisers and our understanding of how data worked from the politics and from other other areas was really applicable.
2: Okay, and interesting. And
1: a handful of our clients were nonprofits. Okay, and. They kind of uh, didn't have access to the same technology as the for-profit clients.
2: Sure. They didn't
1: have predictive modeling. They didn't have the ability to to sort of test marketing to see if it worked. So they had to go with very conventional, safe solutions. And you know, as we were talking to them, uh, we said, "Well, let's try and do something." And we tried. We ran a handful of experiments to see if you know social media could raise a bunch of money. And if if things things like that and those worked beautifully and people were impressed at how little money it took to get the returns and uh and then it was a journey of productizing that and sort of coming up with um coming up with the algorithms and recruiting the PhD in machine learning and and building a team that could actually go out and execute this. Um but we started almost by accident, uh, uh wow. just by saying yes to opportunities, I think that's a huge thing is, you know, most people would have said no. Sure. We have no idea what we're doing. And we, you know, there's no reason for us to be here. I think so many people look for a reason. They look for that focus. And I think focus actually comes later in the process. Like, you know, once you sort of get through that, then you do have to focus and turn down opportunities. But the sort of initial top of funnel come down, hang out, give back your time. Sure. Contribute to this. The things that I think you so always need to
2: take.
0: Sure. Like well, it's basically kind of like agile, right? It's like the agile approach yeah. to things like you just kind of you're almost like constantly little pivoting right into new yeah. ideas based on the feedback you're getting from your your user base. Is that Right. Okay, interesting. Right. Um yeah. so go ahead, sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say I think the the thing that's always interesting is people. If you've got product market fit, people will pay before they, uh, before you actually build it, which oh. is a really good way to make sure you're not wasting your time.
0: So, how did you go about actually getting people to pay before you guys had a version of this thing out?
1: Well, we ran like, the the actual example is we had a um, um, a hospital okay that wanted. A, a social media presence. Okay. And when we talked to them about it, it was like, well, we want a social media presence like a bigger hospital. Okay. And I said, yeah, but I don't understand how you're going to get an ROI. Okay. And, and they said, well, yeah, but we just want to, you know, essentially, they didn't say this, but essentially it was, we just want to look like the other guy.
2: Okay. We don't have to care
1: about you getting us an ROI. But I know from my, you know, just business experience, if we're not producing, we're the first things cut from sure. budgets. totally. So, so knowing that, um, I said to them, "Well, okay, I'll do whatever you want, but can I have five hundred dollars to gamble on social media advertising?" Okay. And they said, "Sure," and um, we, at the time, you could really target into a specific region uh
2: okay. in
1: Cape Breton Cape Breton was where they were. But I knew all the money from Cape Breton was in Alberta at okay. the oil rigs. Sure. So I just targeted the ads to hit Fort McMurray.
0: Okay. Hit
1: those areas with the message send your money back home.
0: Oh interesting. And they said,
1: Well how did you find all these new people? Well It was really easy if you were born in, you know, one of these communities, but worked in one of these communities, you were hit with an ad. Right. And you were hit with an ad to help back home. And, uh, and, you know, that was sort of the first proof point uh, that we had that, yeah, you can use technology to target, uh, better target uh, donors and that it'll work. And and so then I said, look, guys, would you be willing to uh, do another experiment? And slowly, these experiments turned into well, in order to do this at any type of scale,
0: we're going to build a little tool. Oh, interesting! Right, and
1: then the tool becomes a platform, and and I think we actually screwed that up when okay. we can talk about that. But like, sure, the, we got the first part of the experiment correct. Okay. Uh, I'm very confident that that will work. And that, you know, sort of the non-scalable version, but getting them to pay um, uh, any amount of money um, based on results. So, you know, in this case, we have an existing client makes it a little easier. But most people, if you're at their senior leadership, somebody walks in here and says, I'd like to try a different type of machine learning and, you know, I'd like, you know, a budget to do it. We're going, to, we're going to pay for that to, to happen solely on the basis that if we don't, and it, it turns out to be a big thing, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be talking about it. So, uh, you know, it can't be crazy amounts.
2: Sure.
1: You know, I think, like I said, it was $500, and sure. I think it probably 10x that in terms of what it raised. Wow. But, but it's like, um, you know, it's not a huge gamble. Right. um and, and it doesn't have to be but once they're in the habit of it of course they're going to you know then it becomes well how much if we put in x dollars how much could we get out of course at the time we had no idea and we made no promises about got it got you um you know and so it's sort of knowing how to set those expectations but also how to get people to take risks they never would
0: sure no that makes sense so you said you screwed something up what what exactly was that kind of early on
1: well i think early on and i think even we're paying for it today interesting uh focus uh is a big problem um so we have a platform that manages the entire donor life
2: cycle okay
1: um and uh and so what fundmetric does is it, it better targets you uh based on what you care about okay and the way we figure out what you care about is if we're dealing with a hospital who does both research and say patient care okay, and we feed you a story on research and then a story on patient care okay. and you highly click on stuff about research,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're going to start streaming you all the breakthroughs that you made possible as a donor.
2: Gotcha. And we're
1: going to start testing, you know, if we ask for $50 to fund one hour of lab time towards this project, are you more willing to do that or is it m- you know, $10 a month, what, what works. And as we get those segments down and, and people start engaging and sharing this content, we're then able to go back to the charity and say, based on what people are actually doing, um, here's the most efficient way you could raise, uh, more money and here's where to spend it so that people actually care. And charities are desperate to make, make sure that they don't waste money. Right. Uh they really care about their donors money. And cha- donors will often report, well I wasn't told what that money ever did. And so Fundmetric solves that problem. Uh, you can't donate to our system and you y- you will get a report. You know, you can't uh not be told what your impact was, uh, sure. but charities don't have the resources. They don't have the people to um tell each, you know, tens of thousands of people what's going on. Technology provides that opportunity to solve that, but it's always been used sort of backwards, in my opinion. So we're always sending emails. You're always getting emails, you're always getting letters asking for money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think that you start at the other end. You start by explaining what you're doing and thanking people for their support, you'll get way more money
0: um, that way. Interesting. So yeah. so for people that haven't heard of FunMetric maybe walk like if i'm a charity kind of how do i set it up and kind of walk me through how i use the product to actually raise money
1: yeah so i mean the first the first thing you're going to see when you log in to fund uh, fundmetric is the ability to get your current donor database into our our system okay and we take your existing data and then through publicly available means and means that you have complete control over to choose how we do it, we will augment that data with uh, projected wealth information okay. and projected social media uh, or like linked social media. Okay. And once we have that data, we have a series of predictive models and artificial neural networks that run over the system to basically tell us, Who's likely to become a major donor? Who's likely to give money? Who's in danger of stopping giving money and things like that? And so you get these automatic segments, and that is combined with pre-made templates that are proven to uh, best retain the donor or to best get them to upgrade. And uh, we give you every week 30 minutes. Somebody from our data science team sits down with you and goes over how these emails or these videos or these custom pieces of content are performing, Okay. what we need to do to optimize them. And that's really a break in the, in the charitable software space. Right. Most people charge for their support. We're actually saying now data should be able to help you make better decisions and you should understand. I mean, it should be as simple as Kevin is clicking on this email six times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and opening at 12. So what is it, you know, somebody should maybe reach out to Kevin, see if he's interested in learning more, you yeah. know, and then you can dedicate the resources. If, if Kevin's coming back as somebody highly, you know, likely to do it. And, um, and so we, we do both pieces, both the targeting and the, the automation, and then obviously summarize the results okay. and provide that back to you and your leadership in a way that, is so easy to digest uh, that you can sort of form the journey, you know, the customer journey is what they call it in business.
2: Oh, sure.
1: Shoppers, you know, this isn't foreign to a shoppers drug mart, you swipe your optimum card and and they know what your purchase is and then yeah. they send you coupons based on that. Yes. Uh, but th- this sort of journey for charities has always sort of been invisible. Right. Why does somebody donate? Well, we don't know. Well,
0: now you do. Interesting, okay. And then how does it work for somebody that's donating? Do they do they have kind of somewhere they can log in as well or, or no?
1: No, we don't really have that yet. Okay. Um, our feeling on that is that um, we want the charity to be the brand. Uh, sure, yeah. So okay. we are completely, you know, sort of... Linked in the background, the truth is, for most of our clients, you are on a fund metric page when you're actually making the secure donation. Right. Um, But that's simply because we studied, you know, uh, people who have done this really well in terms of the digital pages, like Barack Obama.
2: Sure.
1: And we studied the best performing donation pages Mm -hmm. and we built that. Uh, And then we constantly track how to make it easier. So, you know, breaking it up into multiple steps rather than asking for all the information up front, um, putting a giant, you know, uh, donate button helps with different uh, different demographics and Fundmetric automatically adjusts. You know, if we think that, um, you know, you, you essentially have an older demographic donating, we will make it very, very simple. Whereas, you know, some of the other tools you might use to fundraise like GoFundMe or
2: uh,
1: those can get a little bit complex for certain demographics. So we fix that
0: entirely. Gotcha. So how does it work? Like do I run all my fundraising campaigns through Fundmetric or or how does that kind of work?
1: Well, you know, the user adoption of a product like this is is really interesting and and something we're still uh, exploring. I mean, we would obviously say, yes, absolutely run right. all of your campaigns. But I think particularly for, for your listeners, one interesting piece is, no, we, we encourage people to start with a focused uh, campaign.
2: Okay. So
1: one one aspect of what, what they're fundraising.
2: Okay. Because
1: oftentimes what we're going to come up with is uh, counterintuitive. So to give you a concrete example.
2: Sure.
1: Um, People were looking for a school. Was looking for who might give them a gift, a major gift. Um, so I think they they called it twenty five thousand dollars or higher, something like that. Okay. And um, they wanted to know who might do that. When we ran the models, it came back that if this person had graduated in uh, nineteen seventy three or nineteen eighty nine, uh, they were likely to make a major gift and. Of okay. course we asked why and when we drilled into it what the school was able to tell us is that was the year that major improvements were made on campus. Ah,
2: so interesting.
1: those students had a very different experience than the students before and after them right and and so it actually did make sense but they would have never known to target those classes right um, without looking at the data a little bit deeper and pulling out those insights Sure. and you just can't do that uh, with human eyes so you know this is a way that charities get those insights really quickly and then are able to obviously tailor the communication to be like well we're actually building a new campus so we're doing the exact same thing these people experienced but, oh, I got
0: you
2: um, interesting
1: you know uh, you know. So you start with a, a something like that an insight like that mm-hmm. they test that and then they're hooked Sure, But if you try and get them to do all their fundraising up front, I think a lot of sort of enterprise products fall into that gap where, you know, it's, well, we need, we need a certain amount of adoption to get going. And my thing is, you know, much in the same way we do a lot of things, it's get your foot in the door anyway, you know, and then, and then you know the elements that are going to get, make you successful and just highlight them, bring them to their attention and, uh, And go from there.
0: Sure. So when you say campaigns, does that mean just sending kind of emails to those um, potential kind of donors um, and and creating Mm -hmm. content and sharing that out over social media? Or maybe following up actually like with a call or or something like that? Or or what does that really mean? Yeah,
1: I mean, we uh, so charities typically run different campaigns. Like a university will have like a campaign to build the new business school. And then Mm -hmm. they will have another one for athletics. Um, Got you. And they're usually multi-channel, so yeah, okay. they they have multiple elements. And we handle um, email. We okay. do personalized videos, so okay. every donor gets their own video. And we do direct mail um, okay. as well. Uh, the phone calls, we do a recommendation to it, but we haven't built. You know, there's an example of where the the product roadmap is is going. Right. But when we talk about we didn't really focus in the beginning. We tried to build the whole thing
2: because
1: sure. we thought we have to manage the donor life cycle. Uh, and it was a mistake. It turns out that if I was redoing it, I would really focus on those key insights that charities can't get anywhere else. Interesting. Um, and it seems obvious, but I think a lot of startups and businesses that I talk to fall into that trap where it's like, well, if I just build the next feature, everyone will buy this and it's like i've yeah. never seen it work for me um sure so i'm sort of looking at it going okay what what actually did work
0: yeah fair no i think that's really good advice actually and i would agree i've never seen that kind of where you're like chasing your tail that if the, if some potential yeah. customers like if you build these three features we'll sign up and then you build those three and then they want six more and it's just this endless cycle it's you yeah know, yeah so no that's that's interesting so I want to kind of step back for a second, because when you and I met, you you told me like a really kind of inspiring story about kind of how you kind of maxed out your credit cards. Do you maybe want to talk about that and that story? Because I I thought like that's probably something that, you know, will resonate with the listener. And I, I remember I was like, I always remember you because of that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. So in the beginning, uh, fund metric, nobody believed in it. Um, we're in okay. an incredibly crowded space. Okay. In other words, there's, you know, a lot of businesses trying to help charities in different ways. Sure. We're in a space where the venture capital market says, well, charities have no money. That's their first reaction and a myth. But, um, and so we have a local accelerator here um, not the one that I got into, but but another one that was rejecting me repeatedly, okay. and um, and I would go to them and say, you know, why? What can I improve? Uh, all those things, and 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 I'd get some general advice. Okay. And one day I woke up and I decided I'm going to go bigger. So I thought, like, you know, what is the big accelerators that I can go to? You know, Y Combinator, five hundred startups, and one of the sure. ones that I applied to. One of the only ones was Google was opening up their own in their headquarters in Waterloo, Canada. Right. And uh, I applied to Google and I got through to the mid the the second round of interviews and I thought well, this is pretty cool, but uh, didn't really expect it to go anywhere. And at the time, the company was uh, very uh, cash-strapped, extremely cash-strapped, and we hadn't raised any money. It was just an idea. Um, you know, a little bit of tech, but no money. And um, and Google called one night around seven o'clock, or they emailed and they said, uh, "We'd like you to come for a fifteen-minute interview in Waterloo." And it was about two days from now. Okay. And I had no no money, so I uh, sort of started, you know, thinking like, "Well, do I want to take this risk?" And I thought, you know, th- we're either going to get into uh, work with one of the best companies in machine learning, or we're not. And I think for the rest of my life, if I look at this and don't go, we're going to be in, you know, I'm going to regret it. So I made up my mind to go and I didn't, you know, I found most of the money and and put a lot of it on a credit card. But when we actually got, I left the hotel about 45 minutes early to go to the Google headquarters for this interview. And, uh, I got into the cab and I was driving with this cab driver. We got there and I swiped my credit card to pay for the taxi and the credit cards declined.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and I think this is a story, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, totally.
1: And, 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 uh, and, and so I'm going, okay, well, geez, like I am going to miss, uh, you know, I'm all frazzled. But I called the bank and I said, look, I'm in a taxi. I have an interview with, with Google. I need uh to pay this this cab driver who is less than patient sure. and um and and so they, they gave me a credit limit increase, and I was able to go in uh and and do the interview, but I was so frazzled and and now running behind schedule uh that I gave the worst interview i think i've ever given sure. and um I got into you know, a pretty depressed state and decided that the best way to solve that was to go to East side Mario's and eat unlimited bread and salad, uh, <laughs> with very little use of utensils. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, you know, I'm sitting there doing this and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't the way you respond to a problem. Like this isn't, so you had a bad interview. What would you do if you had to deal with, you know, a hatchful problem? If sure. this is the way you respond to this. and, And so I went home and I was like, I got to find a way into this, especially because we had kind of bet the company on, um, you know, that this would help credibility and all of that. So um, I found a fundraising page for one of the Googlers who had interviewed me. Okay. And uh, if you made a donation, you could leave a comment. And I left a three paragraph essay on how (laughs) predictive analytics would change nonprofits. And got a call a couple of days later from, from saying, You really want into this? <laughs> yes, yes I do. But that's that's how we got into uh, got to work with Google for six months.
2: And that's it amazing, was, uh,
1: man. It was one of those cha- those you know company changing moments because that accelerator that had been rejecting us here locally called uh, within 48 hours and said we'd we'd love to have you. Uh, you know, and I said sure. And uh, so we, we were able to, to do that. And I think we proved slowly, but surely to everyone that, you know, we are going to figure this out.
0: That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I'll always remember that. Like you, <laughs> that's, no, uh, but, I, but I think it's inspiring to people, right? Because I think sometimes people do something or they blow something like an interview or something and they just give up right? It's over for them. And, you know, you didn't give up and look where it led you, right? No, you can't give up. I mean,
1: you you could always find a different way to do something. I think people get confused. Sure. But, you know, if your dream is to own a business or if your dream is to do something, um, there's a way. And, you know, it may not be the time and you got to recognize reality. I think there's a giant misconception that not giving up is just denying reality and there's an there's an element of thinking that has to go into it of I'm not going to accept this as the outcome. Sure. Um but there is also the very stark reality, you know, you run out of cash, you run out of cash. You Right. Um you face challenges that people don't talk about. Uh you know, in a lot of the big startups that I know, the CEOs that I know uh, will behind closed doors talk about them, sure. but I think we need to get out there because I think there's also a mental um, sort of uh, uh, you know, mental health not maybe mental health is not the right word, but a mental aspect to this where people think, oh well, you know the person who's ahead of me in their journey or in their path in life doesn't have the same problems I do and when I look at it it's all sort of universal
2: sure. doesn't matter how high problems, I right? go
1: yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, it, it, it's 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 definitely stages. Today, I don't have the problem of that I had five years ago, sure. but um, you know, they're bigger and they're actually harder. You just get used to the difficulty.
0: No, I I hundred percent agree with you. I, I think that's that's actually really good advice. So I'm curious though, how do you guys monetize the platform, or are you guys uh, monetizing the platform yet?
1: yeah so we uh, sell Funmetric as a uh, annual license. Okay. Um, so you pay an annual fee for unlimited users okay. unlimited usage. Okay. Um, we don't charge you per donation and okay. we probably never will simply because we want all the money to go towards the the charitable causes. right We may to make it more affordable, okay. we may charge per interaction
2: okay
1: uh, for some of the smaller. Clients, I think long term, that's the vision is that this should be free to use for anybody. And then, you know, every time somebody um, gets value, every time a donor gets value uh, by reading a report or using some of the generated content, Mm
2: -hmm. um,
1: then, you know, we'll have a per transaction or per impression uh, style model there. That's okay. long term, but right now it's it's just a straight fee. Okay,
0: what is that fee, or does it depend on it's, size?
1: uh, well, it it ranges on the the size of your okay. your charity. Okay, but generally it's about forty thousand dollars, U.S. per year.
0: Okay, no, oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, so I'm curious. Then we talked about this a little bit, um, earlier about kind of actually building a real business, right? And, and you guys right. obviously are doing that. And I think partly why I want to talk to you about that is because you guys are doing it. Um, and you know, you guys raise some money, um, correct?
1: Yeah, we've raised, uh, just, just over a million dollars in okay. the last five years. So, uh, but most of our money, um, is, uh, is 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 I mean our focus is is revenue okay and not in the same sense as as some some companies would take it I think that what we really want to nail is can we get a sales process that's efficient and profitable okay right so can we get the cost of acquisition and all that known and and scalable um and then can we get the uh the customer value. So can, can, if we're selling for $40,000, then in my brain, I'm going, I want to return $400,000 worth of donations through the system. Gotcha. So I want to give you a 10 X return and I want to make sure that somewhere in there, the, the cost of acquisition is accounted for. Right. So if we think that a charity will switch databases every five years, Okay. Or that we have a lifetime value of five years with that customer. Mm-hmm. You know, the cost of acquisition can be, I don't know, whatever twenty five thousand or whatever it's going to be.
2: Sure.
1: Um but really honing in on that and then saying, Okay, and at what point do we hit those those ceilings? Like how many support people do we need to actually create a uh environment where charities feel one hundred percent supported? Right. I think the big the big opportunity in software right now is around changing the model for support. Sure. It's gone so far in one direction, I think if you bring it back, you're gonna experience a lot of profitability. But that is a bet that doesn't sit so well uh with a venture capitalist when they look at cost of acquisition.
2: Sure.
1: Um, you know, anytime you're doing doing something that's not as scalable as you come, you you sign up for the software and 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 then we get the reoccurring revenue. Um, you're gonna have to have a, a proven thesis. Right. So for us, it's it's really like real customers. You know, we've got Oregon State University, we have wow. the largest Alzheimer's charity uh, in in New York City.
2: Wow.
1: Uh, St. John's University. We do um, you know some local charities, and we give the product away if you're really small.
2: Gotcha. So if you're
1: real, if you're like you know really small uh, we 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 won't give you the predictive modeling because you can't do it on really small data sets sure but we'll give you the the basic premise of what we do we also do all types of educational events so i'm at RBC sure. uh, tomorrow okay. and we do we're flying around the region to do that and presenting at conferences all over the state to you. try and get this idea that you can you can do it, but it's it's like a real business as opposed to we raised a bunch of money. Um, uh, I think there's too much focus on, you know, giant rounds, and then when you actually look at the execution as, well, will this ever become profitable? Sure. I'm not sure. You know, there, there are exceptions to this. You can go find um, the exceptions, uh, um, especially in certain industries, mm-hmm. but... For the most part, the people I talk to are trying to raise a lot of capital. Um, and, you know, it's it's what are you going to do with the money? Oh, I'm going to scale my sales team. And it's like, well, why don't you get a sales team and then, you know, uh, get money to support them? Because I think that that's a much more compelling case
2: Interesting. If,
1: if, if you're going to do that. And people are like, well, I can't get anyone to sell if I can't pay them. And I said, well, all the salespeople I've met that are any good almost start selling for you out of habit, right? Like sure. It's almost yeah, interesting. A, a compulsive thing that if you pitch them something and say, like, well, who do you think would be interested? They start doing the introductions, and if you bring them to that meeting, if you say, you know, come with me, you get some really interesting feedback in terms of how they position it. And we are fortunate enough to get, you know – the head guy for for sales in our region for IBM to come help us and and um how did you get him did you read out to him um so back when I was uh 16 I was involved in a program called junior team Canada which is actually what made me want to see Canada sure they take young people on economic trade missions representing companies
2: sure
1: and um and uh he had hired me to do a small website okay um and uh he was uh a little bit older than me, but he was um uh he had hired me to do this website, and I had said, "Well, why don't you come out to this junior team Canada regional workshop?" And he came out to that, and uh years later uh he became the head of sales wow and so I happened to know him. Um, Very cool, uh, and he he was more than happy to come help me. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stories like that where you know, just sort of the connections aren't obvious, but um, they are there if if you look. And I think that's true for most people, but they sure. won't ask. The other sure. thing is half the time we just try and do uh, do do the most extreme thing. I think the Google thing is a good example of that. Sure, if you're not. You know, it's not a closed universe, and if you're not getting uh, the reaction you want from certain people, and you truly believe it's something the market needs, yeah, then maybe you have to look outside of what's going on in Atlantic Canada, and that's how we got into sure. New York. It was like, well, people said we're never going to sell to New York-based charities. It's sort of the NHL of of the charitable space, if sure. you can make it happen there so you know it was a plane ticket yeah and a hotel room yeah and it was a very bad hotel room um, <laughs> you know uh, sure but, yeah, but yeah it was nobody that, knows that, that though right nobody knows that and, and you know that was you know the second time it was it was a better hotel room mm-hmm. and uh the staff member who actually came with me we learned a lot about each other in terms sure. of like how we're gonna work together that strengthened the company. Sure. And so it wasn't just um, you know, going and proving people wrong. That's not as important. Sure. But actually proving it to yourself, going, you know what, if this is the biggest challenge, let's tackle that first. Sure. Then we'll get to all the small stuff everyone else is worried about. Sure.
0: Well and I also think too is a lot of people, especially successful people, f- feel like if they believe something or they see somebody else coming up that's passionate about what they're doing they're way more likely to help if you reach out to them and you genuinely aren't trying to like you know if you, if you're genuinely know, knowledgeable and they and you you're passionate about it they probably had somebody or many people take a chance on them when they were coming up, right? And I think a lot of people try to pay that backwards and help yeah. people that are coming up. And I think that's basically what happened with your Google story is like, they're like, this guy won't give up, um, you know, let's just yeah. like hear him out, right? And and let him in, right? And, and I think you mentioned to me before that you have some other kind of big name investors that obviously believe in the company because they gave you guys money. Do you maybe yeah. want to kind of mention um, some yeah. of the other people and how, how so you I, got them involved?
1: Yeah. So, so we were in a. I mean, it's another story of 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 sort of con- connections just because of where we were and who how we conducted ourselves. But we were in a, pro, a Montreal accelerator called Founder Field as well. Okay. And. Um, and we were there with, uh, you know, five other companies. One of the other companies is a company called BenchSci. Okay. It's doing amazing work, um, and I think they were just backed by, by Google's um, uh, one of Go- one of Alphabet's companies. But right. BenchSci's um, Bench CEO happened to know about this program called Creative Destruction Lab. Okay. And I was done with accelerators like I would just been through too many sure. and they're great networks and they're great money and they're great all that but they um, don't you know I was just done but he said "Well, go to Toronto and try out for this program called Creative Destruction Lab and so I went and tried out and we got in and then immediately you know they kick you out over time at each meeting if you're not performing Okay, they'll uh, they they'll they'll actually remove you from the program.
2: Interesting. so the
1: first couple of times we were very close to being removed, I'm now told.
2: Okay. Uh
1: but I just kept going back to these people going, Yeah, okay, I understand we suck. How can we be better? <laughs> sure. Like I'm not I'm not disputing with you. If that's what you believe, how can we be better? And we sure. come back with very specific things done they had asked us to do, and we would make sure to focus them because people give you general advice, right? You know, go go sell more or go whatever, and that doesn't work sure. uh, to get people to believe in you. So we slowly built up uh, belief of, of many of the people there, and as a result, we got to meet some of the most exciting people I've ever been challenged by, and one of them uh, is um, is Barney Pell. Sure. Who um, I think he's the founder of Lunar Express, so I think they are um, extracting things from the moon right now. And,
0: yeah, no big deal, uh, right? He's based in,
1: in <laughs> Silicon Valley. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know he's had several successful exits, and then sure. um, the other one is um, is William Pado Tunstall, who invented the uh, the technology that was bought by Amazon to build uh, Amazon Alexa and the sure. Echo. Sure. So so those guys invested eventually. Uh but what they really did and the real value behind them was uh building our case studies and building our um building our sales pipelines. Okay. Uh the challenges that they would throw out were one thing. Then if you sent them an email kind of with questions or with progress updates they would actually spend three, four hours with you on Skype, wow. um, uh, sort of working through it. And lo and behold, over time, um, I mean, obviously they actually invested. But I would, I would hazard a guess these guys invested in in growing me as a founder.
0: Interesting, and
1: um, and, and and you know really got into it. So um, we got a great crew out of that program, but it was about. You know, if, somebody, if so many pitches end with we're not investing because we don't believe in your market or we're not investing because we think competition's, you know, or we're not investing because of the take that and actually work on it if you think it aligns with what your actual weaknesses are. Sure. And if you don't know what your weaknesses are, that's an even bigger problem. Sure. But I think so much of it is showmanship and sort of, well, I, you know, I come in uh, appearing appearing strong and you do have to do that you definitely don't want to be too too self-deprecating but you want to actually behind the scenes go and tackle the major issues that are are occurring and find the people who actually can help you unpack that answer uh, which often are the very people who bring it to
0: your attention interesting no I I I love that so I'm curious then, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. You've sure. been doing, you know this for for a number of years now. I is there any other kind of advice you would give people um kind of either looking to start out or kind of going through it um that you've learned over the years that, you know, you're like, oh, I really wish I would have known this?
1: I mean, I mean, the two two things for me are.
0: Uh, get
1: yourself a good group of inv- uh, advisors,
0: okay,
1: um, and uh, and really uh, have an entire process by which you uh, recognize and make sure that you're you're responsive to them. Okay. And the way to get those advisors is to look at companies that have already done what what you're about to do.
2: Okay,
1: um, so when we built our customer success processes and our well, our lead generation is probably a better example. We went to companies that were already doing $5 million, $10 million sure. in reoccurring revenue, and they actually sent us not only the exact materials they used, but they gave us time with those staff people who built it for them the first time
0: wow. and,
1: and then said, and then the question was, do you know anybody else who you recommend to do something similar? Sure. You know, and and that gives you the best people, um, uh, because that's the hardest part is finding the people who can actually execute.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so that would be my my tactic to it, and then putting the people who give you those referrals as advisors often keeps you in track because if they make a bad recommendation, which they will okay from time to time sure. you can go back and say this isn't once working and most of them they'll hold up a mirror but um, <laughs> you know you you get pretty good at it
0: sure no i i, yeah. I think that's really good advice man and and just you're right like it, once you meet one and they recommend somebody else it usually kind of snowballs right i've had a few people on the show that have kind of said similar kind of things it's like well how did you get this adv- advisor it's like well he was friends with this other advisor we got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's
2: a,
1: it's a, it's about connections and about putting yourself out there. No, but I like, I really enjoy uh, the show. Right for that exact reason, I think that the resources like what you create are also something that you know I I need to listen to regularly because just because you know this stuff in theory doesn't mean you're putting it in in practice.
0: Sure. No, that's okay. good advice. No, I and I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I, I think that's really yeah. great. But, Mark, we're out of time, so maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other kind of social media links you want to mention?
1: Absolutely. So our website is, is fundmetric.com. So that's F-U-N-D-M-E-T-R-I-C dot com. Uh, we are on uh, on Facebook as, as Funmetric and uh, Twitter as well. And anybody who who wants to chat further or would like uh, uh, like to talk to me further can also uh, add me to LinkedIn. I'm happy to to chat and help out. And, and thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: Well, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.